We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Moran Tweets. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in today. Appreciate all you. It's a, it's a big week, man. I said that last week. Last week was a big week. This is a big, big week. The Buffalo Bills trounced the New England Patriots. They move on. Kansas City Chiefs, divisional round. Kind of knew it was coming, just didn't know when. Figured maybe it'd be the AFC Championship, but whatever. It's a week early, but it's here. And I got my man Aaron Quinn from Cover One with me. It's been a minute since I had you on, buddy. Probably a good uh, four weeks. In fact, I looked it up. Last time I had you on the show was right before the Bills played New England the first time in Orchard Park. Spent a lot of time talking about Christmas uh, music and movies that day. Always a good time when I have you on. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, well, you've replaced me with my friend Anthony. Uh, so, you know, I'm a jealous girlfriend over here. You can't even, can't be going with my guy and not get a little bit of jealous feedback. No, uh, I've missed you, I got to say. But to your point about it being a big game and a bigger game than last week, our mutual friend Joe Miller gave me a hard time on Twitter a few weeks back because I kept saying, like, you know, that what I forget which game it was, but I was like, this is going to be one of the biggest games of the season. He's like, yeah, but you've been saying that every week. And it's like, hey, when your team's good and you're heading into the playoffs, they just keep getting bigger. And now at this point in the year, it every week's a bigger game, right? Like that's just how it rolls in the playoffs. we got to get used to being one of the top teams and playing bigger games each and every week. Let me say this, and we're going to dive in. I want to do 10 topics today. I haven't done this in a while. Every now and then I like to do a 10 topic Tuesday. So I got 10 specific topics. Then I want to head on with you while I got you on. Before that, though, real quick, I want to say this. For people listening, and there's not many people who are listening to this show who don't already know what Cover One is, but I got to say this, man. You, Greg, I'm talking about Greg Thompson, your partner, and Pro Haskaman, you three, you guys are, I'm trying not to swear. I'm trying to be a good guy, Aaron. You guys are crushing the shit, man. And Eric, with the film, Cover One is really, I mean, you guys have been around for a while now. And I've been a fan for a while, but yeah, this season, it seems to me, you guys really have stepped your game up, man. You've stepped it up with the podcasting guys have stepped it up with the film breakdowns and the live shows following games, as well as the game previews, but especially the live shows on Sundays or Saturdays, whenever the bills are playing after the games, man, you guys are, 
are crushing it. The numbers are showing it, but more importantly, the quality of these shows, man, you guys have been freaking crushing it, dude. So props to you, man. Congratulations. I really appreciate that because, you know, making content is a lot of work and you put yourself out there and you don't know how people are going to respond when you put yourself out there uh, and, and make content. So it's always a little bit, there's a little insecurity, right? And so well, the best thing about it though, is after that Patriots game, uh, my Twitter, Greg's Twitter, Anthony's Twitter, we're all blowing up. People were tagging us with the last four minutes of that game being like, I can't wait to tune in to the post game show. And yeah, uh, and the numbers reflected it. And I'm a Bills fan at first and foremost, before I'm a content creator. And having built this over the last five seasons, built this show up and to know that we are a real part of fans game day experience. And when something great happens to our favorite team, the first thing they want to do is hop on and listen to an idiot like me and my friends talk about the game and break it down with them is really one of the coolest things. It's one of the things I'm most proud of is that, you know, we're a real part of that game day experience for other people. Cause when we made this man, we weren't even sure if people were going to listen. We were just like, Hey, let's do a post game show. It's hard to compete with the radio. And, and a lot of people tune in there. You're competing with the post game press conferences, but man, I'll tell you that people really have seemed to like it. And, and we've become a part of people's game day experience. And to me, that's really one of the coolest things that I've been able uh, to, to be part of. And to the whole team, I, I agree with what you said that we're putting out great content. I think we put a really good team together this year. We've got the roundup. We've got the hoof podcast. We added the air raid guys mid season. What a they're great good. mid season acquisition there. They I do a great, them. yeah, their pregame show is really cool. Uh, and so we, we continue to add talent to our roster. We're always looking to improve, not just our own show, but all the shows. Uh, and so you see that you see everybody's grinding and hustling and the work gets better. I think week in and week out. So I'm really proud of this team and super happy just to be a small part of it. Yeah. And you guys, like I said, you're really doing good. And I'll tell you what, let's keep the love fest going here. Cause I want to, I want to jump into the first topic and I got 10 today that I want to talk about and that's bills fans. Yep. And I'm, I'm look, man, it, it's, it's impressive. It was cold as hell on Saturday. Okay. Let's, let's just say that. And I'm not going to try to sit here, you know, and, and act like a tough guy. I ain't no tough guy. Okay. You could not have, paid I know me how money. you feel about the cold. You <laughs> could, yes. You could not have paid me money to go to that. I game. agree. I, agree. I don't mind I the cold. The bills. Not, I love the playoffs. You know, I love the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about it on my podcast yesterday. I was so nervous that I was literally, I was wearing a hole on my floor, but I was pacing back and forth like crazy. I don't know why Aaron anxiety got the better of me on Saturday, right. about two, three hours before the game. I was supposed to go out with a bunch of friends to a bar. Did not go sat at home, watch the game by myself. But anyway, my point was this, these fans, that weather meant nothing to them. And it was awesome to see well-deserved. I mean, look, the, the, the players want to win for themselves first and foremost, of course, the organization. But it felt good, man. And I know the fans felt like they had a piece of that victory. Yeah. And oh, yeah. 25 years since now, last year, there were two home games, sort of you know, limited capacity. Yep. And it was nice. Not the same. This was the first time in 25 years that that stadium got to be full for a game. Zero degree temperature, three, whatever the hell it was outside. Once game time hit, shit didn't matter. Now, of course, the Bills going out and romping them made it a party. Oh. It was like that party vibe. It wasn't, you know, you weren't sitting there and stressing out and that adrenaline wearing off. That adrenaline was going all night, I'm sure, for the people there, the people that I talked to. But anyway, what do you say, bro? Props to these fans, man. They, they were awesome on Saturday. Big part of the game, too. 
Yeah, super props to the fans, man. I agree with you. You couldn't pay me to be at that stadium on Saturday night, and I'm the same. I love the Bills. I couldn't wait for the game, but there's no chance. I'm I'm way too soft to go to that (laughs) game. Me too, man. Screw everyone in the uh, Boston media that was trying to make a thing out of the price of the tickets at at Bill Stadium. First of all, I I think you could – I think it was like 3000 tickets were available at one point. They're trying to make a big deal, even without selling those 3000 tickets. It's more people that could fit than could fit into Gillette stadium, even on a packed house. So we have a bigger stadium. It is harder to fill. We also aren't in a metropolitan area like Boston where tickets are just going to be grossly expensive, no matter what. And you have to account for the weather. Like you really do. Like it's legitimate that that type of weather is going to deter some people from going. Plus there's the, issues with the border we have a lot of a canadian fan base it's a really a pain in the ass for these guys from canada to go over the border it has not been easy and so doing it on a night game on a saturday night i think a lot of canadian fans just said hey man i can't even bother with it. i just want to watch the game at home so there was a lot of factors so i i, I was really upset about them kind of getting on us about the price of those tickets but you know what the place was packed it didn't even matter people were nuts i think it helped uh, that it was against the Patriots. And like you said, it was a romping, uh, exercising those demons uh, because it was a huge party. And my biggest beef with the whole thing is at the end of the game, I tweeted it out that they should have let the fans rip those goalposts down. They should have given that moment to the fans yeah. and let them, let them rush the field and rip that thing down, man. This, this whole game, this whole moment, I watched the, uh, so it was my birthday Saturday night, as you know, and yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. I was trying to look, I was like, Hey, have they ever played? Cause obviously not the last 20 years, they haven't played on my birthday. Cause they, the, the season's been over and it was that 94 game against the Raiders, a divisional round game in Buffalo, negative 25 with the windshield, almost, you know, same type of thing, super cold game. And I was just watching that game and looking at it, like when they made a play and you see that nineties passionate fan base in the in the stadium i was like dude i hope it's rocking like that tonight and it sure was it was the same exact vibes and throughout the drought like i was a kid at 9 1994 i was 10 years old half that game that raiders game i was probably outside playing football pretending i was thurman i wasn't watching the way i do now but i remember throughout the drought and seeing those clips of 90s bills and the uh, ralph wilson stadium just freaking rocking rich stadium just rocking and being like, man, if they're ever that good again, are we gonna, will we be able to recapture that type of energy in that audience? And the answer is yes, we saw it. We saw it with our own eyes here this Saturday. And so good on fans. Uh, people like to give them a hard time about showing up at airports and all the crazy things Bills fans do. But dude, they're, 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 I don't think there's a better fan base in the NFL. I really don't. You can't convince me of it. Let me tell you this too. For people listening right now, I'm experimenting with Aaron. Aaron's been on the podcast many, many times. And we've always recorded a certain way. Tonight, we're taping this and I'm doing this on StreamYard because I'm going to start doing some video elements on the podcast really soon. I've, t- I've talked about this before on the show. We got a YouTube channel, Talk About Full Podcast. Go check that out. We're going to be putting up clips and stuff like that. I bring that up for one reason because I'm about to show you something that only Aaron could see for the moment anyway and uh, not people listening. But there was one fan in particular, Aaron, if you look at this screen mm-hmm. right now. Man. <laughs> I'm putting up a picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick with no shirt on. Love this Just guy. going absolutely nuts. This is a quarterback who technically is under contract right now with Washington. He's in the stands. He's bringing his kids to the game. He wants them to, to enjoy a true Buffalo Bills any game experience, but especially playoff game experience. Three degrees out, going goddamn crazy. 
That was absolutely awesome. And that's making the rounds now. That shit's going viral. On he's Monday been on a lot of teams, but he'll always be ours. He said, say, he said that too before. Yeah. He said Buffalo's been his favorite city. Yeah, How cool is that, is. though, to see to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in, in the stands with the fans? He could have had a suite. He could have afforded. He could have yeah. sat wherever he wanted. He's in the stands at three degrees there's, out. Bare there's, my wife, she tall, she's not a huge Buffalo Bills fan. She likes it. She'll wear her Bills stuff on Bills Football Friday. She gets she does all the things that, you know, basic minimum requirements. She's not super into it. She absolutely loves Ryan Fitzpatrick and every single thing he does, she just gushes over this guy. And it's be I think all fans feel that way. That he is just everything you could ever want. You know, he didn't live up to, you know, our expectations or that uh, extension that he got here. I, I think he deserved a little bit longer time here but everything you could have ever wanted the way he embraced this fan base and still does to this day he's incredibly awesome and the best thing about that picture it made me feel really good about myself because he's just got a regular dad body he's like an nfl <laughs> athlete that plays yeah. and he's just got a regular dad body right, like the rest right. of us he, man he, I freaking love that. he ain't much more cut up than i am that's but what i'm saying that was awesome to see i had a friend of mine who told me uh you know, if, if Mitch Trubisky moves on, they'd love to have Fitzpatrick back. I mean, that's like, there's a curse though with Fitzpatrick. You got to be careful bringing him yeah, in your building. You, you, you don't want to get Josh get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get Josh hurt. Plus, I told him, and I'm telling you this too. Now, I absolutely steadfastly refuse to talk about the offseason right now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's playoff weeks. I ain't talking. I don't worry about who's a free agent. I ain't worried a about a lot cap. of time for that. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about cap savings on certain guys and bullshit like that. Hopefully, in about another month or so. Yeah, um, no. Let's move but on. We need to live in the moment. Like that, Greg was yeah. saying that on our post game show. Like even enjoying that victory, you know, we want to move on to Kansas City and all that stuff. But enjoying that victory, like it's been so long since we've been a high caliber playoff team that just like like a nice ribeye steak. Just cut it up slowly, enjoy right. it, savor every bit yeah. of this. Because who knows when it goes away, right? I think it'll be here for the next ten to fifteen years, but it it could evaporate on us quick. So I'm living in the moment being proud to be one of the top playoff teams in the NFL. No absolutely. Rush. No man. need to a rush it. No, no, absolutely not. And let's move on to the next topic that yeah. I have here. Mm. And that's, that's Josh Allen becoming a star. And listen, I'm not talking about a star, like a Buffalo, you know, a star in the eyes of bills fans. He's been right. a star now for a while. I'm talking about like a, a star, like a real star. I'm talking like people and fans around the league. Yeah. They're looking at him the way other players, when, other, yeah. yeah, the way that we we came up as fans, like John Elway and and Dan Marino and Joe Montana and Brett Favre, you know, guys mm -hmm. that it didn't matter where you were from, yeah, you liked those players because they were like the faces of the league. Josh Allen is quickly becoming uh, one of the faces of the league. How do you Absolutely. feel about that? And do you, do you think I'm right? Do you think he's getting to that level right now where it's like he's becoming one of the faces of the league? Where yeah. it's way outside of Buffalo. I don't. It doesn't matter where you live. People are talking about Josh Allen now. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I think I think it totally. And after the performance against the Patriots, I think it's just skyrocketed to another level for him. I think he's on par with Patrick Mahomes in terms of faces sure. of the league. And uh, you see that reflected in it's difficult to get a Josh Allen jersey at times. Like they're back ordered places. And he's the kind of player. He's he's everything Jack Eichel was supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like to to be the total superstar in his sport bring fans that aren't from the region, get their attention to your team, get primetime games. He's everything and more. Uh, I do think he's creating fans outside of Buffalo. We saw uh, Peyton Manning talking about it in the Manning cast. Like his son is a Josh yeah. Allen fan. Yep. Like I think there's a lot of kids out there in the world that are running around in their 
elementary schools and Josh Allen jerseys in the middle of Arizona or wherever they're from because he's that dynamic. For me, Pat, uh, it's a little bit personal. I'm watching my son, who's going to be six here next month, and he's starting to understand sports a little bit more. He goes to school locally here in the Buffalo area, and there's a lot of the Play 60 stuff. So he's always coming home with like a picture of Josh Allen or a little baseball card of Josh Allen. He doesn't really watch the games, but he hangs out with me and he'll see Josh make these incredible plays. And I was talking to Sal Capaccio. Sal Sal and I uh, do floor hockey together. Our kids are in separate sessions at floor hockey and we're talking because his son's super into it. And he took a picture with Josh. And I was like, that's so cool for these kids because Josh is so, he's larger than life. He's this gigantic, like Kyle Williams had built like an oak tree, tight end, running around, throwing the ball 60 yards, stiff arming dudes, jumping over him. It's like, as close to you could get as like a superhero that plays football. Like if you're a five to nine year old child and you're watching this just like larger than life star who also happens to say all the right things that by gosh, like just happy to be here, humble kid, like, you know, amped up, just having fun. It's the perfect mix to, uh, I don't like the idea of like looking up to players or anything like that, but he really is as close as it gets to one of those guys where it's hard not to. And so I'm super excited that my kids, you know, I, we went through so many quarterbacks after the Kelly years. Like I'm looking at my five, six year old kid. Now, Josh Allen plays for the next 10 to 15 years. Like they, they, they're only going to know awesome success, superstar quarterback and winning until they're 17, 18 years old at this point. Like that is incredible to me. I'm so excited for my kids to have a guy like this, that they can buy a Jersey and know that they can keep that for the next six, seven years until it wears out. Like, it's really cool for Bills fans that we finally captured this guy. And I've heard some people try to say, hey, you know, oh, the Super Bowl window's tight while he's on a deal, all that stuff. No, the Super Bowl window exists as long as that dude suits up for the Buffalo Bills. Sure. Uh, and I got even hotter take, and I've been saying it all the time, and I don't even think it's a hot take. Josh Allen's the best quarterback to ever wear a Buffalo Bills uniform, and I don't even think it's that close. Wow. Well, that is a hot take. Let me say this. In terms of celebrity and mainstream and stardom, Josh Allen is a Jim Kelly, but who's somebody who's more humble. But he isn't a, I won't say it. He's more, he's a more humble. <laughs> I'm saying it without saying it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And Jim, when I, I mean, I was what, I was in my teen or late teen years when Jim Kelly was yeah. the man here in Buffalo. He was every, he was bigger than life. Just like Josh is now. Like Jim Kelly was bigger than life. Like, oh my God, Jim Kelly's at the mall. Oh, you'd, be, totally, you'd be telling yeah. your friends, you know, I seen Jim Kelly wherever. And the stuff he did on the field was larger than life. Yeah, Jim Kelly was off the field, not, not a secret. He at wouldn't that time. survive Twitter. He was, sort, let's he was just sort of say. a douche. Yeah, he was a douche at that time, but he was still larger than life. Yeah. Josh is larger than life, and he's extremely likable. Now that's in Buffalo. I'm just talking about on a league wide aspect. Like I said, Josh Allen's become the same way that a lot of us who grew up, like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. How oh. we thought about the guys on other teams. I think, like you said, to your point, fans are starting to think of Josh Allen in that same light. One other thing, too, and this is, well, this isn't a topic, but I have to say this, this is kind of a bonus topic real quick. Thank God that the Bills defeated uh, the Patriots the way they did mm. in cold weather because, think about this, Aaron, let's just say, let's say the Patriots won that game, all right? And let's say they won that game 17-13, and Josh throws one touchdown, one interception, 240 yards, I don't know, maybe like 50, 55% of his passes. Guess what we would have no choice but to talk about? And even more annoyingly, guess what we would be having to hear for the next nine months? Josh Allen's not that good in the cold weather. Yeah. 
You know, that would have been more frustrating than anything else, except for actually losing to the New England Patriots in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But that would have been an offseason narrative. That would have been really, uh, really hard to take, man. Oh, it would have been I'm awful. Well, so you know how I feel because we were in that exchange on Matt sure. Fairburn's yep. Yep. statistics about it. And I hated the isolating those statistics to try to make that point. I think it got taken a little too far. I understood what you were saying that, you know, if it makes both QBs worse, it hurts you more because your QB is so much better, right? You're like, right. Mac, Mac Jones is the closer to his floor. He's not far from his floor as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I get that point that you were trying to make, but isolating those stats. And now not only did he perform well, he like pitched a perfect game. It was perfect. Which, <laughs> it was incredible. It was perfect. So, and now I want to see who the Matt Fairburn or whoever made, was making those points now put those statistics together for me. And then now do Mac Jones and then show me, you know, who you would rather have in a below 32 weather game. I've been watching football most of my life. I am yeah. significantly older than you. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you, that's the most perfect offensive game I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. How is it not? How yeah. is it not? They did not. not score a touchdown. And I, don't, I refuse to count the kneel downs at the end. They did right. not. They failed to not score a touchdown. They only had six third downs the whole game. They converted all six. They had right. like 29 first downs in 51 plays. Technically 54, yeah. but again, I don't count. They the had three. one run to Zach Moss that went for no yards. Everything oh. else went forward. Like it was a, a totally impressive dominant. I was talking to my neighbor today. Where I was out shoveling snow off freaking day pat it was terrible uh uh, i was talking to my neighbor though he's a big baseball fan and i was like he pitched a perfect game but in football it's more rare than watching a pitcher pitch a perfect game like i've never seen anything like we'll never see it again probably we'll never see a performance like josh was able to put up there uh absolutely unbelievable i even ordered the store 716 has a shirt out with a framed picture of the uh stat drives touchdown 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 touchdown. i ordered i usually don't order those kinds of shirts because i i don't want to be a prisoner of the moment but it's historic well now i don't think i'll ever see anything like that again and uh the fact that it was on my birthday i had to have a shirt to commemorate just how perfect it was i mean totally unbelievable again just adds to that it's another chip on that this guy's larger than life superhero type dude who just blew a narrative nate geary had talked about it when everyone was beating this narrative all week long in the media about the cold and Josh thinks in the cold. Every time you say Josh Allen can't do something, the dude freaking blows the doors off it. You know, it's one thing to gush over Josh Allen because he makes a great play. Like say that, um, I'm trying to think, well, obviously many of his runs, who the hell it was the jets game that touched on the digs. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, where guys are hanging on him. Yeah. That's a play though. This was a game. Yeah. You know, to sit there and gush about Josh Allen, it it's, it's warranted because he played a perfect game. Kind of leads to the next topic, too. We'll stick it with Josh Allen here. There's a lot of very interesting um, plot lines going into this game against Kansas City. Right. It's a playoff game. I mean, it doesn't need to have any more plot lines in no. that. But yeah. there's a lot of them. But what we're seeing right now, Aaron, to me, is we're seeing the modern day. Not that it was that long ago, but we're now yeah. seeing. You're making me feel we're, old by saying modern day. We're in the modern day. Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning error. And I'm talking, mm-hmm. of course, about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes playing each other. And I mean, you're talking now, what's this, four times two years, these guys are squaring off, man. Two best quarterbacks, in my opinion, anyway. Certainly the two best young quarterbacks. Most dynamic. In the NFL. Yeah. The most, yeah, the most dynamic, uh, the most riveting quarterbacks. Two highest paid, maybe. Dak's yep. up there. Yeah, it is. To me, this has become the rivalry that everybody wants to see because 
You know, wh whether you have a horse in the race or whether you don't have a horse in the race, Patrick Mahomes is fun to watch. Josh Allen is fun to watch. So forget about being a Bills fan or being a Chiefs fan. You could be a Lions fan. You could be a Chicago Bears fan, a Dolphins, whoever. This is a game that you want to see. You want to mm -hmm. see Patrick Mahomes face off against Josh Allen, just like not all that long ago. As football fans, we used to want to see Peyton Manning and Tom Brady score off as much as possible, man. This has become like the rivalry, isn't it? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Last week, I think there was a lot of interest. Uh, you know, I, my brother's a Bears fan. A lot of my friends like other teams and stuff. And I got a lot of interest in that game, but more the Bills versus the Patriots than it was Josh Allen sure. versus Mac Jones, right? Like they right. wanted to see the Bills exercise those demons like they did uh, and see if they could get past that hump. And so that was cool. But this is more about the two star quarterbacks. Obviously, the teams have faced off. And in that AFC championship game last year, I think just makes this sort of rivalry and that Manning versus Brady thing even more so you know when we talk about narratives or storylines within this game I I think that I've been saying it all week I think this is the de facto AFC championship and it's because the two best quarterbacks else maybe uh, you know Brady and Rodgers are right there but two of the top four best quarterbacks in the league are about to go head to head in this game and they're both playing they both coming off five touchdown games where they played fantastic lit up the other team's defense like this is all the NFL could ever want out of the AFC playoffs to have these two matched up. And you're seeing that in that they're getting that Sunday evening game. Like that is the premier game of the weekend. The, the NFL put it there because it is to your point, the new Brady Manning, if Brady and Manning were still playing, they would have that slot, right? Like that, that is the premier slot of the sure. weekend. And it, again, it goes back to the previous topic of Josh Allen becoming that superstar. The fact that the Buffalo bills have the guy, that the NFL wants to put in the top spot with their so far the last five years, their number one sort of poster child of the league, the guy that's on the cover of Madden, the guy that's on every single NFL commercial that there is, has been Patrick Mahomes. Well, Josh Allen is now right there with him. And I, I think the NFL wants this to be a Manning versus Brady. I think they want multiple playoff matchups between the Bills and the Chiefs. And I, I think those games are going to be primetime games each and every year uh, that they can get them in there. So this is awesome. And I think that the two of them, it's better than Manning and Brady. Cause those guys were technical, like watching Tom Brady's not necessarily fun. Like he's a winner and he might get that sure. two minute drive and lead his team to victory, but watching him think and dunk isn't, it's not sexy. It's, it's not methodical. fun. It's, it's methodical. Yeah. If you, yeah, you, if you're into it, that's fine. Watching Mahomes and uh, Allen. I know Bill's fans get a little weird about Mahomes because He'll do stuff that Allen can do, but people maybe praise it a little bit more because he's been doing it a little bit longer. But the two of them are like, these are the only guys in the world that can run from one hash and toss it across their body to the other hash and just, you know, running around making plays. Josh Allen can stiff arm dudes into the ground. Like you're going to see, even if it's an ugly game from the two of them, you're going to see special plays on the field on Saturday night, no matter how each quarterback plays. You're going to see something special. You're going to see something dynamic you're going to see plays that just make you go crazy. Every single week I watch Josh Allen, his arm still impresses me. I've been watching this kid all these years now, watching his games. He still makes throws each and every week. I'm like, holy cow, how'd he pull that off? Patrick Mahomes is the same way. This is going to be so much fun to watch, really, no matter how the outcome goes. You're going to see great plays from these both these quarterbacks. I think it's important, by the way, that the Bills, for many reasons, that the Bills beat Kansas City earlier this year. Yeah. One of them is if you want to talk about this being a rivalry, for something to be a rivalry, 
Both sides go both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I've been mad ways. about the people have been trying to say, oh, the Bills Patriot, they, like when Mac Jones and uh, Allen were talking after the game, they're like rivals for years to come. Like, I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure the Bills are going to put a stop to that over the next few years. Yeah, because for 20 years, New yeah. England smacked the shit out of us. That's, right. that's not a rival. That's just yeah. a team that we no. hate because they kept beating us. Absolutely. So you got to go out and you got to win. And the Bills did that. Obviously, they're very capable of doing that again. That's going to be a fun matchup, by the way, for people. Who are wondering Tom Brady and Peyton Manning faced off 17 times during her career. Crazy. Tom Brady won 11 and six overall, but Peyton Manning did go three and two against uh, Tom Brady in the playoffs. That's just right. worth noting. All right. Next topic here is as great as Josh is. He's not doing it by himself. I was going to say wins aren't a QB stat, right? right? Wins like up the quote, Bruce Nolan wins are not a quarterback stat. And there's been several key players on offense we already knew Stefan Diggs was going to be good, but outside of him, we came into the season like, all right, well, who's going to step up? Who's going to be good? Dawson Knox is to say he's answered the bell has been an understatement because I've said this many times. I've confessed to it. I've talked to you many times, man. I've taken some L's. You know, I'm not afraid to take some yeah. L's. I, I've taken L's with you, man. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to take another one because in the off season, I was very critical, not so much critical. I was very pessimistic. I should say that Dawson Knox was going to be anything more than what he already was. And what he was was a guy who shows flashes, who -hmm. can make some plays, but was maddeningly inconsistent, lots of drops, Mm -hmm. uh, mental mistakes, bad penalties, missed blocked assignments, things like that. He has really put it together this year. He's Mm -hmm. put it together statistically. He's put it together, it seems, mentally. And every aspect of a football player going into this year, he's really seemed to put it together. Five catches for 89 yards against the Patriots, two touchdowns, should have been three. Should have been third. Yeah. yeah, it should have been inches away from from that third touchdown. He had nearly 600 yards, a, a team record, nine touchdowns this season for the Bills. Just spend a minute talking about your take on him, like his transformation this year, going from a guy who we couldn't get Zach Ertz here fast enough, even not before the season, going into the season, and maybe even early in the season, we were still talking about, there were still rumors about Zach Ertz coming to Buffalo. Yeah. Obviously, Glad he didn't because Dawson Knox has had a, a chance to shine. And in my opinion, he really has. What's been uh, yeah. your thoughts on him and what he's meant to Josh Allen and this offense this year? Well, first of all, for, fortunately for me, this is uh, one where I don't have to take an L on because I was pounding the table were... that, that Dawson Knox could be a tight end one. And Joe Marino and I were probably the most vocal uh, of the content creator group uh, on Twitter saying like, well, let's calm down. I don't know that we need a urge. We don't need to go do anything knee jerk reaction, but I understood why people did that. It came from Brandon beans comments in the end of the season press conference after that loss to Kansas city. He, as much as you can call a player out uh, and that we've heard from a Sean McDermott or, or a Brandon Bean really called out the tight end position, Dawson Knox and saying, look, this position didn't give us enough this year. Teams did not have to game plan specifically to take away your tight end. It didn't do enough to to make teams worry about your tight end. And everybody took that and ran with like, holy, we're getting Jonu Smith. We're getting Hunter. Like we're doing something. And nothing happened throughout the entire offseason. I think they were probably in on Ertz. I don't think those rumors were untrue that they were trying to do something for Ertz, but they weren't willing to overpay. And I think it paid off. I think it paid dividends. Tight end is a really difficult position to come into the NFL and do well as a rookie. We've seen a lot of guys take a long time to develop into good tight ends. And then on top of that, you add in that Dawson Knox really didn't play tight end until he got to college and he played tight end in an offense that didn't ask him to run 
all the routes on a route tree. He barely got production because he was with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and an old miss offense that wasn't targeting the tight end position. So, you know, we talked about when Josh Allen got here, how far behind the other quarterback prospects he was just on reps alone. Like he was thousands of reps behind these guys. Cause they were all in the elite, whatever elite, quarterback camps and went to top schools and played in top universities for a long time. And Josh was behind the ball. So he was going to take longer to develop. And we were all okay with that. We said, Hey, we can wait three years for it to find out Josh is going to be the guy. But for some reason we were unwilling to wait with Dawson Knox at a position that traditionally takes longer. And so that was really my argument is like, Hey, let's really give this kid a chance. Cause he has all the intangibles. He's shown the flashes, uh, having the capability to be that legit weapon. Let's give him some time to, to develop. And, while I'm taking my victory lap here, I really wasn't sure it would be as good as it's been this year. Yeah, even in that, because I think he's he's leading the lead or leading the team in uh, separation statistics on next gen stats. He's getting the most separation at any pass catcher uh, on this team, and he's also getting the most yards after catch. Yards after catch have been a real big issue for this Bills team. That so stiff arm Saturday night was nasty. Pretty man, it, this the guy that he's powerful, he's athletic, he and his hands are becoming more sure. Like he's really done a good job of being able to make. We all knew he could make the crazy catches, right? Like that wasn't the problem. It was making the easy ones where Josh was hitting them. You know where he's supposed to get it and just make those catches. He's done that this year, and he's come up big in big spots. And I'll tell you one thing that would Brandon Bean called him out after that Chiefs game, saying teams didn't have to game plan for him. Like, guarantee you, Steve Spagnola turned on the tape from that Patriots game, and the Kansas City Chiefs are game planning for Dawson Knox this weekend. Like, he's answered that. He's answered the call from Brandon Bean and changed the script in less than a year. And now teams are accounting for Dawson Knox, and that really is a huge benefit to the team. Stefan Diggs pulls, there's a gravity around Stefan Diggs on the field and he pulls attention. And now you have another dynamic pass catcher that pulls attention. It's really hard for D you have Josh Allen who pulls a huge amount of gravity and attention. And now you have like these three pieces that really require a defensive coordinator to pull attention to them and account for those guys everywhere. And you still have really talented piece. I like Cole Beasley gets a lot of shit on Twitter. He's still a really talented dude that can make plays. Emmanuel Sanders showed last week that even though he's been hurt and he's had a weird season, like he's still a good wide receiver that can make plays. He'll get Gabe behind Davis. you. He'll get behind you at yeah, some point. And absolutely. Gabe Davis will get behind you. Gabe Davis will make some great plays along the sidelines. Like they, they've run five deep at the wide receiver position, but it, you can't account for those other three, four guys because those other, you know, digs, Knox, Allen, pull so much gravity and so much weight from the defensive coordinators and, and how they have to focus on those guys because you, you can live with a Isaiah McKenzie beating you. You can live with one of these other guys beating you, but you go into a game saying, we're not going to let Stephon Diggs beat us. We're not going to let Dawson Knox beat us. We're not going to let Josh Allen beat us. There still can, even though you, you game plan for him, but it, absolutely Dawson Knox has become the type of tight end in this league that's getting into the conversation as, in that elite if he can put up another season like he did this year i think you start to put him in that top category of like this is an elite tight end in the nfl i don't know if he can continue uh year in and year out to have the type of success he's had uh but i'm gonna bet on him being better than not be right back more 10 topics with my buddy aaron quinn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Again, we're kind of we're shooting this in video just amongst ourselves right now. Where's your pen, though? Let's I got it right here, man. It's in my hand. I never had a pen. Aaron, Aaron Quinn loves flipping it around on here like a drummer, like Def, Def Leppard's <laughs> one arm drummer, just flipping my pen around. If Dawson Knox has been impressive, yeah. you can't not mention Devin Singletary. That's the next topic mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Devin Singletary. Motors in season transformation to me is this might be been, another L for you, Pat. It is an L for me. Yeah, it is. And so is Addison. I, I said he should get cut before the season started. So yeah. there you go. Knox, Devin, Addison, all losses. And by the Happy way, to be wrong a, about it. Not a topic. I look, Mario Addison, and I tweeted this right at the moment. That third and three on that pitch, I don't remember who it yeah. was to Stevenson, maybe. Yeah. He cut that corner, he hustled his ass off, he prevented a first down, and they ended up punting. And he had a bad angle. He had a bad angle yes. on the right and just hustled. He could have gave up on that play. And, and yeah. you know, New England gets the first down and keeps the chains moving. Great play by Addison. But anyway, I don't get off topic here. Yeah. Devin Singletary, to me, I am blown away. There's not a lot about this team that blows me away, with the exception of the game on Saturday, because that just blew me away. But he blows me away because I was so high on him as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I did not think he was very good last year. And quite frankly, I didn't think he was very good for a lot of this year either. He was okay. I think as a rookie, right. when I was on your show once as a rookie, you even said that he showed you flashes of a like a poor man's Thurman. Yeah, absolutely. Times. I remember, and I told Greg Thompson, your partner as well, too. I said, I remember after, after his rookie year, I remember telling Greg, I said, I think he's the best player on this offense. This was yeah. Josh, Josh. This was before Josh, right. you know, took it to another level. But right, uh, right. anyway, my yeah, I was high on Singletary, and then it, then it fell off for me. Mm-hmm. I thought Zach Moss was a better running back, quite frankly, earlier in this season. Because Devin Singletary just wasn't doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the offensive line, we're talking about the offensive line in a minute, but he also, it just didn't seem to me like he was making people miss. It didn't seem to me like he was ever pushing the pile forward after getting contact. But that's just changed, man. He's like a man possessed right now. And we heard about the offseason weightlifting. I remember taking a couple shots early in the year. I'm like, well, guess what? That yeah. don't mean shit, all right? Yeah. Usually but, it doesn't. No, well, it does. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But there's something that lit him up 
Yeah. Lit a fire under Devin Singletary because this guy has been spectacular, man. He's been spectacular. And again, the offensive line has a lot to do with that. I'm not going to say they don't. But first of all, you look at the numbers. 81, 88, 110, and 86 yards. Those are rushing totals in four of his last five games. Those don't sound like, you know, that's not like uh, Delvin Cook numbers. Sure. But remember, this is an offense that slings the ball and has a quarterback who right. runs for 50, Pass yards. first, pass, pass heavy. first, and Josh Allen runs yeah. second yeah. type of offense. So those are really impressive numbers. He's got seven rushing touchdowns, eight total touchdowns in right. his last five games. But again, beyond the stats, he to me, and I, I tweeted about this. I don't know if you agree. Because he doesn't look like him, and necessarily his style hasn't been like him, but he's reminding me of Le'Veon Bell. When Le'Veon, not washed Le'Veon Bell, we know now, but when right. Le'Veon Bell was with the Steelers, he just seemed to have like that stutter, that stutter step, or he was just really patient, waiting for blocks to develop, and then bam, he yeah. would take off. I kind of feel like I'm seeing that with Singletary. I remember one play, they showed a, a, a highlight where he waited for Mitch Morris. It looked like he was going to get hit. He kind of took a step the other way. Mitch Morris got into the picture, made a block, and then he cut back the other way and ended up being a, a gorgeous 10-yard run. He just seems to be reading blocks better. He seems his vision seems to be better. And he just flat out seems to be running harder, man. He is breaking tackles now. Mm -hmm. And when he is getting hit, there were a lot of times on Saturday where I think maybe just his will was stronger than the New England defense because he was getting hit one, two yards at the line of scrimmage, and it would still be a four or five-yard game because he was just pushing guys forward. He was falling forward all the time. Yeah. Are you surprised at all with uh, what we've seen from him now compared to early in the year? Uh, so a little bit, and I do think, you know, we'll talk, you, we're going to talk about that offensive line you're saying, because I think it, there's a correlation between finding the best five and the confidence in the running back to, you know, hit the holes and make the right plays it's all coming together at the right time, which is really the most important part. I I've been saying on our preview show and on the post game show that, you know, as the last month or so of football of the season wore on, I kept saying, you know, it's great. You want to be playing your best football at the right time. And we were a little bit frustrated because Josh Allen wasn't playing super clean games, but they were still finding ways to win. But I said, Hey, your team wants to be winning and, and you want to take a winning streak into the postseason. And if you can build confidence in areas that you were unsure of along the way, which we knew at some point, at any point, Josh Allen can throw an incredible game and put a team on his back and lead you to victory. What we didn't know before the last month of football was, you know, you have this fastball in Josh Allen and you can go to the fastball, go to the fastball, go to the fastball, but can you throw a changeup? Can you throw an off-speed pitch? And that's the run game. And we did not know if you could do that. And that was a problem in the playoffs last year. I, I think if you ask team people that aren't fans of the bills that watch this team, they're saying, yeah, Josh Allen's great. That's fun. But he had nothing to offset. If a team took him away or if he was having a bad day, you couldn't throw that change up. You couldn't, you know, go into the bag and do something else. Devin Singletary slowly ascending throughout this season and playing his best football at the end of the year and gaining that confidence in the run game and the offensive line going into the playoffs, I think is the number one most important thing to whether or not this team can make a serious, significant push and get themselves to a Super Bowl. Because at some point, you're going to have to lean on that run game to win you a game. Uh, you're not going to always be able to just lean on Josh and, and hope that he throws these perfect games. At some point, you're going to have to have Devin or the run game uh, be a significant part of a win. And we saw it in this last game. He was a real big part of that. Those first two drives in that Patriots games were balanced drives. The I think the third touchdown drive was seven run plays on a nine play drive. They just went to Devin and let him yeah. do work. Like to be able to have a running back that you trust 
to do that against a very physical New England Patriots team. That's a, one of the more physical de- defenses that they're going to face in this playoff run here. Uh, speaks volumes. I, I love Devin's game. You know, as you mentioned, his rookie season, he was one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL that year in terms of explosive 20 plus yard runs. So we knew we always had it in him to, to be that type of guy. I think it's just been knowing that the team has confidence in him and building confidence and continuity with this new offensive line. There's holes to be made. He's getting into that second layer, that second level of defenses. We know he can make guys miss, but I agree that I think that maybe the most surprising thing is the constant going forward, the angry runs, the, you know, the pushing forward, getting the first downs, just hard to bring down that type of stuff. Like we, even Brandon Staley, a, a modern analytical guy, we always hear, you know, you don't have to run more to, you know, establish anything. But what Brandon Staley was saying is like, yeah, no, you don't have to run to set things up, but you do have to run to establish physicality in the NFL. And you have to make teams tackle, come up and force teams to tackle you. And if you don't do that, that it matters. Well, Devin Singletary is establishing physicality for this Buffalo Bills team. There was a narrative floating around for a few weeks uh, from some journalists saying this team's soft. This Buffalo Bills team soft. Well, maybe some guys are, but Devin Singletary ain't. And he's going out there and he's establishing physicality for your offense, which is a finesse offense. The Everyone else, Josh Allen, the way they like Josh is a powerful guy in the run game, but they want to be finesse. They want Steph Diggs to get you with his routes and throw the ball around the place. They're a pass first, pass heavy team. But damn it, they're going to punch you in the mouth every once in a while. And Devin Singletary's doing that. So I, I'm not necessarily surprised, but um. I'm very happy that it happened at the right time for for Devin here. And it definitely, you know, I know we're not going to talk about offseason stuff, but the way he's playing right now takes a priority off the board for me to find a running back one. I feel like we've got a running back one. And I'll tell you, the more he's the kind of guy, I think maybe the most frustrating part is the way they were going with the hot hand early on, I think hurt Devin Singletary because he's a guy that the more he touches yeah. it, the more that production comes through. Like when he's Absolutely. getting 16 plus touches, that's where you're seeing these 80, 90 yard games, multiple touchdown games. Like I think he's more in that old school model where he needs 15 to 20 touches to be the type of running back you need him to be. That's a great take, man. That's a great take. I completely agree. And I think that maybe it's no coincidence that as he's getting more work and more touches, we're seeing the the best version of Devin Singletary we've seen yet. And I also agree in the offseason, it seems like right now it feels like, and again, we, we're not going to talk about the offseason, but it does feel like this is one less priority. Another one might be left guard. Before that, though, I, I do want to respond to one thing you said about a journalist saying this team is soft. I, I think they were playing soft. I think that second half of that Tampa Bay game, I really, and we've said it earlier that there were going to be wake-up calls. You know, we thought the Tennessee loss would be a wake-up call. We thought losing to the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars would be a wake-up call, and they weren't. But I do think that second half against Tampa Bay awoken something in them. Sure. And they've become a much more physical team. To that I'm point, gonna disagree on the the soft though. I because in the, the game after they got called soft, if you watch back that tape, it was actually the I think over aggressiveness was the problem. I think fundamentals is what was lacking. We, we saw the big runs being given up, not because they were soft, but because guys were missing their sure. gaps. Guys were sure. over pursuing gaps. But I don't know, man. I I've never seen this team to be necessarily physically soft. I've seen them be over aggressive. I've seen them be lacking discipline in areas lacking discipline, and sure. lacking fundamentals. But and I think it's an affront to NFL players for a journalist to call them soft. I really do. It's one of those things like, or when people say this player sucks, oh, it, it grinds my gears. I hate it. Like, 
find a different word to describe what you're seeing. And Colin Player saw, I'll never get down with it. But I, I don't. I didn't think this team was soft. And I think if you thought that, I agree with you. After that Tampa Bay game, you're not saying it. Right. And I'll say this too. One other criticism that I originally bought into, but I'm, but I'm starting to realize it's not accurate is saying this team's just a front running team that smacks teams around, but they can't win the close games. Don't bet. They've won 12 games now, or actually, what is it? 13. They've won all their games by more than 12 points. And it's, they've won 12 games by more than a dozen points. Don't penalize them for beating teams badly. You know what I mean? It's like that new England game was capable of being close. They couldn't keep up. I'll tell you what, Jeff Kerr, CBS, has a great statistic. I retweeted it like a week ago, and I've been talking about it. I talked about it on uh, 590 The Fan last night. I've been talking about it on our show a bunch. It was regular season wins of 12 points or more. There's only five teams that have done it. I think it was the uh, 99 Rams, the greatest show on turf, had 13 of them. The 2021 Bills had 11 of them, I think, maybe 11, 12. 2007 Packers. The uh, perfect season Patriots who ended up, they were the only team on this list that lost the Super Bowl the year they did it. Um, the ten, 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the 1985 Chicago Bears. That list is a list of the greatest teams in NFL sure. history, yeah. right? And then there you have this 2021 Bills on there. And I don't know that anybody would look back at this 2021 Buffalo Bills regular season and be like, oh, that was one of the greatest teams I've ever seen play in the game. But they're on a list with all the greatest teams to ever play the way that they dominated their opponents. And everyone on that list made it to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl. I think it's a pretty interesting indicator of maybe that where the expectation should have been this whole time. And maybe that we had to sit back at, you know, we've been very critical of this team, but maybe we should have been enjoying their success and their domination here throughout the year, a little bit more than we were. Yeah, I agree. And I'll also say that beating teams the way they have, it just shows you that when the offense is really quick and there's just very few teams around the league that are going right. to stay within a score of them. Yeah. I want to tie Josh Allen and Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary and a bow here and give credit to the offensive line. I think that's the next topic that I wanted to talk about. I think the offensive line right now without question is peaking. And for mm-hmm. me, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but for me, everything changed in Foxborough the second time they played the Patriots. Ike Bakker was starting. He went down. Um, Deion Dawkins did not start that game because he was still feeling the effects of COVID. He was active, but he wasn't feeling good enough to start the game. Right. But he had to come into the game when Ike Bakker went down. Bates played. I can't remember. I, I think I, rem- I, I might have been Ford who was in there. Feliciano wasn't there, but I know it was the first time Bates played. And then Dawkins came in. Dawkins played very well considering mm-hmm. the circumstances. Correct. And since yeah. that New England game, dude, that offensive line has been just absolutely as good as I can remember them playing. Um, yeah. They've run, I'm looking up the stats now, 114, 233, 170, 174 yards rushing over the last four games. They've allowed, this stat's almost hard to believe, zero sacks over the last four games. Mm-hmm. Zero. Now, I know Josh Allen makes a lot of people miss, so that could right. be, you know, that could be easy to, uh, misunderstand but end of the day he ain't been running that much josh allen you know what i mean he hasn't had to run for his life that much right this offensive line's pass blocking has been great and they've only turned the ball over three times in the last four games and all those yeah. were in that really weird game against atlanta so mm-hmm. singletary's emergence josh allen settling in and just playing consistently well it's just it feels to me like the offensive line deserves a hell of a lot of credit yeah yeah i think things good. are clicking clicking at the right time I have been on the pump the brakes 
crowd a little bit for this with this offensive line in the sense that New that New England game, uh, I think people were taking like screenshots of some of the film and showing like, oh, look at this pocket Josh Allen has. Like the offensive line must be playing amazing. But if you watch that first New England game back, they were doing some of the muddled rushes and stuff where they were really not pinning their ears back and trying to get at Josh Allen. It was more of a, hey, let's sit here and contain him. And we're expecting he's not going to be patient enough. That was Bill Belichick's plan in that first game was Josh Allen's not going to be patient enough to find the open guy. And he's going to make some mistakes against our defense. Well, he did not. That was a terrible game plan and he was totally fine. And right. And they got a number of pressures on him when they started to blitz. So I wasn't sold after the new England game. And then they played, what was it? Uh, Atlanta and the New York jets. And I'm, I don't know the, the Jets have a couple. Quinn Williams is an impressive player, but I think that you can kind of isolate him. Franklin Myers is a good player. The Falcons presented nothing along the front seven that concern. You should dominate them with no matter what offensive line you put out. So I wasn't putting any stock into that Falcons game. The Jets game, okay, yeah, but Josh Allen, again, they had no sacks, but Josh Allen stiff-armed some guys out of sacks. He did run and make plays with his legs. So, again, I've been pumping the brakes this whole time going towards the end of the season here. I will give them a lot more credit in this last New England game. Now, Matt Judon has fallen off over the last eight Big games. Of the season. That's a huge problem for the Patriots. They got to figure out what, ha- I don't know if he had some lingering injury that nobody was talking about or something, but he totally fell off the face of the earth really since the first time the bills played New England. And, and so I don't know what happened there, but this wasn't the same pressure rating team that they were playing against. So there's still some pump in the brakes that I'm feeling. We're going to know this weekend, Kansas city chiefs, Chris Jones is a game wrecker. Uh, I watched that AFC AFC championship game more times than is probably healthy uh, for myself last year in this past off season. And I've been really hard on John Feliciano. People were begging for him to get back and get healthy. I think the guy is not as good as Bills fans wanted to admit. And so I was, I'm happy that he's not playing in this game because Chris Jones wrecked him on every single rap over and over again. And he was the number one thing in my opinion People were talking about, oh, we need cornerbacks to hang with Kansas City. We, that was the big topic in the offseason. I said, no, we got to fix what happened to that offensive line and how, the, or, and how the defensive line impacted Josh Allen in that game. And so we're going to find out. This is the test, in my opinion. You know, Can they handle Chris Jones? Can they handle Frank Melvin Clark? Ingram. Melvin who, Ingram. Who was it with Kansas City the first time they played him? Absolutely. Steeler. Absolutely. Frank Clark's a, a bad dude, too. Like they, They're going to have some guys now here, and I, this will be the test. I, I've pulled off on pumping the brakes. I'll give them a lot of credit for what they did in that last New England game, especially on the ground, getting that run game going. I'm, I'm more on this offensive line than I've been in a long time. I think they are clicking at the right moment. I think this is the best five the Bills have got no matter what, it would, whether I'm sold on all these guys or not, I think it's the best fight. They finally found their best five and it's getting good at the right time. I'm not on the uh, wagon yet where some of my friends are, you know, Greg is real solidified in Bates being a, a guy that, Hey, this is the guy at that left guard spot here going forward. I'm not there yet. Uh, it, but if he has a game this weekend or this in this offensive line unit has the kind of game that, you know, they limit some of what Chris Jones is able to do. They keep Frank Clark out off of Josh Allen. You don't see Josh running around like he was in the last AFC championship game. Now I'm off. I'm fully on board then that. Cause that's the team you need. That's your, if you're Michael Jordan, this is your Detroit Pistons. This is the team you have to get over the hump. These are the bad boys that may, that beat up on your guy. Uh, and if they can protect him and give him a clean pocket, then I'm fully on board. I still think as much as we like Spencer Brown and some of the big flash plays he does that there's still some concern there for me 
uh, as well and, and his continued rookie development. So I've got concerns going into this weekend. It still starts up front. Uh, but I'm, I feel better than if it was John Feliciano or Cody Ford or even Ike Bakker rolling out there. I think they've got their best five right now. I'll say this too, to, to your point, um, without jumping into a, I don't want to deep dive into a Buffalo Kansas city preview. You guys can go sure, to yeah, cover yeah. one, go to cover one. You guys, when is it going to be Wednesday? Your Wednesday primer? night. Yep. Wednesday night. So jump in live. Night, is it nine o'clock? Nine o'clock Wednesday. Nine yep. o'clock. So jump in live Wednesday. Everything you could ever want to know about this game. Aaron, Greg, and Anthony, they're going to cover it. Yeah. But And Anthony will be on before us breaking down a bunch too. So I think he goes on at yeah. seven. So seven, go hang out, watch Anthony, and then stick around and watch us after. Yeah. Now, let me, I, I will tell you this though, without being an expert, I, I know this much. This game's going to be about what offensive line block, pass blocks better. Absolutely. Because obviously, you know, the Bills built their, their off season. Their draft was around getting better with the pass rush. To get after for Patrick this game, Holmes. for this game, literally yeah. for this game, it's no secret the Bills were built right now to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, side note: the New England Patriots might want to start building to try to find a way to slow Josh Allen down. Absolutely, and beat, yeah. and beat the Bills. I wouldn't worry about guards and tackles and receivers and tight ends. You might want to get some defenders who can stop Josh Allen. But anyway, the right. Bills are beat or built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and their plan to do that is to be able to get after Patrick Mahomes without necessarily having to blitz every play. Ditto for Kansas City, man. The Bills, they're going to have a tax because Kansas City is going to try to bring pressure without having a blitz between Clark and Ingram and Jones, like you said. The one thing I will say about Bates, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not completely on board like Greg might be, but I'm I'm a little more sold than you might be at this point. But I will say this, too. He can't possibly do any worse than John Feliciano yeah, did last year. It was so bad. Chris Jones, I mean, it was embarrassing how bad Feliciano was getting eaten alive. Especially for a guy that pins himself as this like tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, he was, did not look like a tough guy that day. There's one other thing I do want to talk about regarding this game directly that quite frankly, I think the Buffalo Bills have been a little bit lucky with the schedule that it hasn't really been a factor other than once. And that's Trey White going down. So Mm -hmm. Trey White went down Thanksgiving night against the uh, New Orleans Saints. Yep. And you know, they had to, they played Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, of course, and Mike Evans, and they had Tampa had some guys out, but still Tampa was loaded with skill position players. But other than Tampa, really has not been a lot of explosive offenses, quite frankly, right. with great quarterbacks and or great receivers right. that the Bills have had to face without mm-hmm. Trey White. Well, quite obviously, and in, in the biggest way possible, that's changing on Sunday because you're facing yeah. Patrick Mahomes, you're facing Hill, you're facing Hardman, Pringle a hell of a lot of good receivers out there in Kansas city. So you got Dane Jackson, you got Levi Wallace. If you know, Aaron Quinn, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to cover one, if you follow him on Twitter, Aaron Quinn is a big, 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 big Levi Wallace guy. Yep. I have been very complimentary and fond of his play this year. I think Levi Wallace has earned himself a nice contract. His days of signing for one year and $1.2 million are over. Right. I think he's been really good this year. And now he has to be good. He's the Bills' number one corner. Mm-hmm. I thought, quite frankly, other than Tyler Bass missing some extra points and, and doinking a third, if there was one thing that I didn't like about Saturday's game, I think Levi Wallace was okay. He didn't play bad, but he got he, beat on that one. Deep he ball. got beat. He, he did get beat on the deep ball that Micah Hyde saved his ass with the spectacular interception. Yep. He missed time to jump. That led, I think, Bourne caught the ball. Because Levi Wallace missed time to jump. It was a pretty big play. 
He, had he a really tripped, bad... I think. I think he slipped a little bit on and he, one and of them. He... I don't know if it's, we're talking about the same one. One, he like tripped when going to make a play on the ball. I don't remember if it was the same. I don't know if it was the same yeah. play or not. But he I gave up know. a play. He gave up some sure. plays. A pass interference call, was. A, it was definitely a, the right call. He had an interception on a Matt Milano tip. So, he, I mean, it's, it's like, again, he wasn't bad. Sure. But Levi Wallace. A couple nice plays uh, tackling. A couple nice tackles. Is, yes. As good as he's been this year. And, again, I think he has been very good. Yep. He's going to have to be even better. Sure. On Sunday. And Dane Jackson, I mean, we haven't heard a lot about Dane Jackson, which I, I don't. Do you remember, for better or worse, and we've talked about this before, and you've seen it before. Fans have seen this before. When Troy White's healthy, it's not that Levi Wallace is bad. It's not that right. Levi Wallace is the weak link. If Levi Wallace was a weak link, we've said this. It's because they have three all-pro caliber secondary players, possibly four if you want to count Teron Johnson around him. Right. So they would go at teams would go after Levi Wallace. Levi, sure. They haven't seen a lot of that with the bill. I don't know why teams aren't targeting Dane Jackson a lot more than they are making the kid prove himself. You have to think going into this game that Dane Jackson is going to be get, they're going to go after him a lot. I consider this, this could be the Trey white game. These corners are going to have to play out of their minds because again, without Trey white, it hasn't been that big of a loss, quite frankly, this year. But this this week, this is the first time where I'm like, oh, shit, man. You know, Trey White being out really hurts the Buffalo Bills. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is one of the games that you worry about in, in terms of not having Trey, for sure. I agree with you there. I think where I have some faith in is in the scheme itself. I think that this team plays within the scheme. I, I, you hear the cornerbacks uh, and defensive backs all talk about it. When they all came out, five of them for the press conference. And they talked about, you know, what, why are they coming out like this? Like they're all, there's so much continuity and uh, communication that goes on between these guys and the trusting in the scheme and the talking about the knowledge of the scheme and just sort of secondhand, they can look at each other and know where they're supposed to be in the, you know, in, in a hostile road environment, they can communicate without speaking just hand signals and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing within a play. So I think that that all that stuff matters. They're going to get tested. They're going to give up receptions. There's going to be some defensive pass sure. interference. Yeah, They're going to yeah, play yeah. physical with these receivers. It's going to get. You're going to see plays like that, uh, and it's going to feel frustrating at times. To me, it's going to be you know that play where he gets uh, Levi gets beat deep. Is how do you eliminate those plays? I'm I can live with receptions if you're tackling. I can I can live with some of that. I think one thing you're not going to see is a lot of man. They're not going to put Levi Wallace with Tyree kill in man coverage, right? They're not going to put Pringle, uh, Dane Jackson on Pringle in man coverage all that often. They, they'll play some man defense, especially in certain situations, but they're going to trust their zones. They're going to trust the ability to disguise coverages like they always have uh, and, and things like that and try to get Patrick Mahomes to see something that he's not and make a play that he's not. Uh, I think that you trust in the continuity of your team, you trust in the scheme, and hopefully you continue to be a team that gives up the fewest big passing plays in the NFL. Consistently in the Sean McDermott-Leslie Frazier era, they have been a team that doesn't give up those big plays. And even in that last Kansas City Chiefs game, uh, in that AFC Championship, I mean, the big plays that were given up in the passing game, most of them were plays that were given up yards after catch. It was bad tackling where somebody got through uh, Tyree kill had that, whatever 60, 70 yard run after the catch. Uh, even the Pringle play was just a kind of a blown coverage and he got a bunch of yards after the catch. So as long as tackling sound and you can make KC 
methodically drive down the field. I think that's how you want to try to slow down this team and get them to at least contain them. But you're not going to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense. This isn't going to be the Bills defense has done a really good job of holding teams under 20 points uh, most throughout the year here. That is not going to be the case this week. If you're going to win wow. this game, it's going to be a shootout. You're going to, it's going to be 30 something, 30 something. Uh, they're going to put up some points on you. Uh, so I would just urge fans that it's going to feel frustrating. Levi's going to give up catches. Dan's going to give up catches. You know, Micah Hyde might even get caught, you know, sneak in a, a time or two, or, or even Jordan Poyer. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to put Tremaine Edmonds in conflict. That was something that we saw a big time in that AFC championship game where he's scrambling out. And, you know, Tremaine has to make a decision. Does he come up on Mahomes or does he stick with Kelsey or, you know, in those flats areas? He's going to put him in those types of conflicts and make him make a decision and take advantage of whatever decision he does or doesn't make. There's really it's no win situation for a linebacker. So there's going to be some frustrating plays on the defensive side of the ball. And people on Twitter are going to lose their freaking minds and be a like, train socks, Levi socks. We need cornerbacks. We need Trey. So I see your point that it could be a Trey White game, but. Uh, you know, even when Trey was in that game, he didn't take away some of their biggest threats, you know, and, and sure. one thing I will say, I love Trey white. I think, I really do think he's an all pro I've three years in a row. I put him as my, uh, at the end of the season episode we do, he was my MVP three seasons. I love, there's nobody loves Trey white more than me. If there's a one issue with Trey white's game, he's not a very good tackler. In my opinion, I don't. I think he's suspect in, t- in tackling, and I'm okay with that. I can live with a cornerback that's not a great tackler. But and that's Dane Jackson's strength. Dane's a great tackler. I really, I, I love the way this guy plays, and so Levi's a really solid tackler too. So you might give up some recept- receptions, but if you can limit those yak uh, big plays after the catch, I think that you you stand a chance. I don't know that they're gonna. You're not gonna see anyone shut shut anyone down, but I think this scheme, and I trust in this scheme. I trust in Sean McDermott to throw different looks within this scheme that they can at least stall a few drives. And that's all you need. You, If you can get the ball back in Josh Allen's hand and limit them from scoring time after time, that's what's going to give you a chance in this game. I think the key for the Bills' defense this game, and I agree with everything you said, they're going to give up plays, they're going to give up yards, they're going to give up points. you got to be opportunistic. The one yeah. thing about the Chiefs this year, when they were bad, and now even when they've been good, and I've watched a lot of Kansas City Chiefs football, that game against the Bengals a couple weeks ago too, you got to be opportunistic. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is prone to making mistakes. He year. will throw. Yeah, he will. He will force things. He will. What do they call it when Sugar High Josh or whatever right. they call yeah, it? Yeah. Where you know, well, Patrick Mahomes is the same type of player. Yeah. So he's got Brett be, Favre in him. He'll throw yeah. into some tight. There'll be there'll be there's mistakes out there for him to make. Sure. It's just a matter of the Bills taking advantage of him, just like the Chiefs. And, and one more point on this too. You talked about this defensive line being built for this game. Pass coverage and pass rush. If everybody, what the chicken or the egg, which is more important, pass rush or, or pass uh, coverage? It's both. The answer is both. You need it. Uh, sometimes your defensive backs are going to cause sacks. Sometimes your defensive line is going to cause interceptions. You need both to be playing well. So if they can get a pass rush, if this is not going to be a Trey White game, it's going to be because the, the defensive line gets to Mahomes and forces Mahomes to, you know, feel uncomfortable and get some pressure on him and get some plays in his face and get him down to the ground. And then I think you can limit some of what they're able to do. Yeah. I would say for sure, defensively be opportunistic when the, when the opportunity presents itself and offensively, just don't let that man do not let Chris Jones wreck (sighs) nightmares. He is a game, he is a game wrecker. He's has the potential to be a game wrecker. He semi did that against the bills in the past. Two more quick topics. 
One other thing I got a request for you guys. When you do your show Wednesday and you jump into a more detailed analytical preview, spend some time talking about the Bills being prone to over-pursuing, whereas Kansas City does a lot of misdirectional stuff. Right. I think that's something that uh, the Bills need to be wary of. But again, I'd rather Oh, yeah, they'll it. try to take advantage of some of that. Yeah, sure. and I want, I want to hear you guys talk about that on your show. Two more things, and we're going to get out of here quickly. Yep. Um, AFC. All right, so there is another game. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, Tennessee Titans. Yep. Uh, without looking ahead of the Bills game, of course, because we'd all be stupid to do that. But regardless of the Bills game, when you look at that Cincinnati-Tennessee game, who do you like in that game? This one's tough to me because I think I think the Titans might be the worst one seed I've ever seen in my life. I, I think they, I don't the Bills slipping, Josh Allen slipping on that uh, fourth and one against Tennessee has somehow gifted them a one seed because I just don't I don't think they're a serious Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're a true one seed, so I don't have any faith in them. But I also I'm not on the Cincinnati hype train. People have that like when we were doing our preview playoff preview episode with Anthony Prohaska, like they were saying, what are the three teams you're worried about? And both Anthony and Greg said Cincinnati. And I was like, I don't I, I'm not that worried about these guys. Like, I love Joe Burrow. I think he's great. Jamar Chase. This is a fun story. I think they're good. They don't have playoff experience. I don't believe in their offensive line. I, I, I like Hendrickson, but I don't believe in their defense. Like, I think they, they they're not deep enough. They're not a complete enough team and they lack experience. So I'm also not sold on them. Uh, I think that they could definitely beat the Titans. I think it's uh, their strength uh, in Burrow and Chase probably plays better in playoff condition and playoffs than I think the Titans do. Is is Henry back, though? He's not back yet, right? Like he's not officially back. I think I think he's, he's practicing. You, do you? That'll be, I guess, the, the one thing is, is, is it the Derrick Henry of – MVP form coming back. I think that's the one thing that can sure. tilt the game in the Titans' favors. Anytime you have MVP caliber Derrick Henry playing in the playoffs, that can tilt it in their favor. But if he's even you know half step away from where he's been at the MVP level, I think that that passing game is too much for the Titans' defense. And so I, I am expecting the Bengals in this game. But I neither one of these teams. I would be super happy for the Bills to go on and play either one of those teams. Well, I will be rooting for the Bengals because, hey, I, I think they're a fun team. Sure. I agree. I'm not, I'm not a I'm certainly not afraid of the Bengals. I mean, no. I was rooting for the Steelers because I wanted to, I would have rather played the Bengals than the Kansas City Chiefs for very sure. obvious reasons, oh, yeah. mainly experience and championship pedigree. But beyond that, if for no other reason, they're playing Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Yeah. And you know, because the Bills don't play the Sunday night. And if the Bengals win, you go into the Kansas City game, you know, if you can find a way to beat the Chiefs, you're going to be at home for the AFC Championship. Yeah, Simple as that. As opposed to going to the Tennessee. I hate the Titans, and I agree, too. I, it's just so unimpressive to me as a yeah. number one seed. Last topic here, man. I'm going to let yep. you go. This ain't got nothing to do with you got to let me go because it, it ties into this last topic. It, it, it Does it really? All right. Well, good. I've been beating the drum now and talking a lot of shit on uh, Twitter about Cobra Kai for a while. Yep. I was a big fan of the Karate Kid movies. Yeah. Well, I was a big fan of the first Karate Kid. And then yes. I watched two and three out of obligation. And I've since probably rewatched them many, many times. But anyway, I've watched, there's four seasons of Cobra Kai on Netflix. The first season wasn't originally on Netflix. It was on YouTube. And then it became, it went to Netflix. Right. And became really popular. So I actually watched the first, I binged the first two seasons and then waited a full year for season three. And then a full year for season four, which just dropped on New Year's Eve. So I've seen them all. As we tape this right now, I, 
I believe you finished the first season only, right? Yeah. Well, I think how many episodes are there per season? So there's, I'm halfway through season two. All right. So, oh, so, all right. So you now you are in the season two now. Yeah. All right. Well, give me your thoughts, man. What, what do you think about this show? I want to know. So yeah, where I'm at for those that have, I don't want to give any spoilers for those that haven't seen it, but I'm at uh, basically, uh, yeah, I just saw this episode that you put up on the screen here. Uh, that was like two episodes ago, I think, mm-hmm. where he goes and uh, steals Daniel's thunder uh, of the um, uh, at the whatever festival. So this show, man, this one's tough for me because um, I normally don't like shows like this. I'm not a, a sucker for nostalgia. Right. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there that I do love nostalgia. I love watching old 90s music videos. I love things that make me feel good about nostalgia. But I'm not you can't just put something on screen that draws my nostalgia and I'm just going to consume it and say it's great because it inflicts some memory in me from when I was 10 years old or whatever. Uh, So I'm usually not into it. And that this show tries that it's going hard for nostalgia. I mean, it's, it's, it's freaking the same script. It's a it's as if Karate Kid was a show. Uh, and it's basically similar storylines that you can see the characters developing. It's not, it's not a very good show. It really is not that it's, great. I don't think it's supposed to be though. It's, it's not a good show. It's one and, of those. It's one of those. It's so bad that it's actually good type of show. But man. here's the thing. This is what's driving me nuts about it is it's not a good show, but I can't stop watching it. See? I keep watching it. What the hell's wrong? Why? What is it about this show that it's corny? The acting is not cheesy as good. Bad. The writing is not good. A lot of the fighting's bad too. A lot Although of the... it does get better in season three and especially four. I will say that much. The that the fight scenes. Yeah. Miguel's likable. I think Miguel's a likable character sure. and a real relatable character. And I'm interested to see how his arc goes. Cause I have seen some spoilers online and the different tr- not trailers, but like the pictures and stuff for future seasons. So I'm interested to see how he gets to the arc he's heading to, but Johnny Lawrence, a terrible actor. The guy that plays Johnny Lawrence is so, is such a bad he's actor. So terrible. He's good though. Oh, uh, Ralph Macchio is one of the worst actors. I've ever he's seen. not good. He's so bad. He's uh, not good. It is. You know what this show's like for me? And by the way, I'm the complete opposite. I am the easy one who, who get get the uh, nostalgia card played on him. Yeah. I fall for that shit. Every time I live for nostalgia, my daughter bought me a record player for Christmas and a couple of, I've been playing Prince Purple Rain, the album, like almost every day. I can listen to it on Spotify. It's a drug. So. It's scientifically, I, I listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago that talks about what nostalgia like does to your brain. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. Is. It, To me, to me, Karate Kid is like, a, it's like Saved by the Bell meets uh, Beverly Hills 90210. I mean, it's, it's overacted, it's cheesy, yeah, yeah. It's drama, a few funny moments, but it, it's stupid they try it is like i will say this and I, this is what i like about the show though because it does take me back i feel like it's a continuation of the karate kid movies and as the series goes on and i don't want to give stuff away because i'm not quite sure where you're at but there's you already know johnny crest is back yeah that was at the end of season one i thought that was really cool that moment where he appeared yeah and there's other characters he's a bad actor too there, he is poorly. Oh, he's horrible. And he's like 97,000 years old yeah. with so much hair dye in his hair to make him look younger. He's right. Like a hundred. They're trying to make this guy man. look like a badass sensei. Yeah, no, for real. He is 75. I looked it up when he was, when I saw him on the show, he, he might be 76 now because it's been a year. Yeah. I was going to say he had to be like in his forties when they were filming. Yeah. He's original. in his, yeah. he's in his late seventies now, yeah. which he, he, they try not to make him look that way. But yeah, there's characters and elements. They're constantly paying homage 
to the movie. Like if you watch the movies, you're kind of rewarded because it's like on the nose though. It's on. not even, it's like it's very, ac- it's right it's there. Accurate. Like it's punched you in the face though. The constant throwback to the movies, the, you know, Miguel's costume, like everything is like, sure. just throw hard back to the movies. And I think, for me, that's the frustrating part is like, okay, you have that story. You already have these characters. You know the movie. But it to me, it's like constant. The car at Miyagi-Do and, the, you know, everything is just like pull from the old set and hitch in the face as many times as possible with the, with the movie. And I, I think that's what frustrates me that I keep watching it. It's because they're just they're trying to hit me in the face with the nostalgia and I won't let it work on me. <laughs> well, I'm going to get out of here, but I'll, I'm going to have a prediction because you said you're about halfway through season two. I'm going to predict there's going to come a point. I think it's the finale of season two. I predict that you're going to at least go through a period of time where you're done with it, where you won't watch it. Oh. It's going to be so what again, when I can't, I can't give it away to you, but I'll be just going to go. She's going to go down where if you're not being nostalgic, well, it's not even actually, it's not about nostalgia, that part. You're going to have a tough time wanting to go forward to season three. I okay. really hope you do, though, because you, uh, Matt Marino's a big fan of the show. There, there's Anthony Marino from Buffalo Romans is watching it out. I would love to have like a YouTube exclusive, not, not even necessarily a podcast, but like just kind of like a form just to talk shit about this show, shoot the shit. I think that would be a lot of you fun. You have to get Del Reed on it. I know he's a Yeah, Del too, for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right, everyone, give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716 Check out Cover One again, live on YouTube. He already said it, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Anthony Brohaska. Then at 9 o'clock, Anthony and Greg are on, and they're going to get you all ready. They do a primer yeah. that is literally, and I'm not just saying this because you're on with me. It's second to none, man. Everything then- that you need to know about this Bills Kansas City game will be on that show. Stay so posted sure because Friday, 8, 8 p.m., playoff extravaganza. We haven't had the guest lineup totally confirmed yet. we got some feelers out there, but it's going to be a fun show. All right, man. That's going to be fun. I'll be back on Friday. I'm going to have my buddy Joe Yurden casual Friday. So thanks again, Aaron. And uh, Thank you, man. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.